Amen. Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 5, 6, and 7. And beside this, giving all diligence, all of your effort, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance, self-control. And to temperance, patience. That dirty word, right? And to patience, godliness which we'll be dealing with tonight. And to godliness, don't stop there, keep going. Brotherly kindness. Philadelphia, that's brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity, which is from the Greek word agape, the love of God. So God has an idea of what's going on to build. That if we do these things, the Bible said we won't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. We'll be full and we will have fruit. You know, diets, people think about not eating stuff, but really a diet is what you eat. And God wants us to have our life full of Him. So we're going to be dealing with godliness. Hello, Brother Chris. So a religious man was thinking about how good his wife was to him. He had a really godly wife. So he prayed to God and gave thanks to the Lord. And you ought to for your wife. To the man's astonishment, I don't know why God's voice is always booming, but God's booming voice spoke back to him. So the man said, God, I'm so grateful that you gave me my wife. If I ask you a few questions, Lord, why did you make her so beautiful? And God's booming voice came back. I made her so beautiful so that you would love her, my son. And the man said, thank you, Lord, and then said, and why did you make her so kind-hearted? And God's booming voice came back. I made her as such so that you could love her, my son. And the man said, thank you, Lord, and, and God, why did you make her such an amazing cook? And God's booming voice said, I blessed her with the talent of cooking so that you could love her, my son. Thank you, Lord, the man said, but forgive me, but I have to ask one more question. God, why did you make her so dumb? God's booming voice came back. I made her dumb, my son, so that she would love you. <laughs> Someone's going to have some hate mail on that, but that's all right. So It was actually against the... Yeah, anyway, so... What is godliness? The Bible said, add to your patience godliness and if you think of a godly person maybe you've looked it up in the dictionary it means a moral person oh they're godly you know they you know uh don't throw gum on the sidewalk and that's really not what godliness is although a godly person by definition would be a moral person so let's look at what the greek is the greek says it comes from the word and if you want to find fault with the way i pronounce this i'm going to probably pronounce it wrong but it's eusebia eusebia and like a eulogy, you means good. But Eusebia basically means good worship or good devotion. And it's interesting because our conference theme was really on worship. So this fits right in, right after a church conference. It's basically, so what's devotion mean anyway? Say, preacher, I read my devotional in the morning for 10 minutes. That's not really the devotion we're talking about. The word devote. It comes from, it means a solemn promise or a vow. That's where the word devote comes from. And it comes from the Latin votum. 
And that means a promise to a God. Say, preacher, but I never made a promise to a God. I did. You know, when you give your life to Jesus, you know what you're doing? You're promising God. That's the greatest devotional prayer that you ever have made. You know, sometimes God will bring you back to the prayer that you made. Remember when you promised God? When you're in a tight spot and you're like, God, if you do this, then dot, 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 right? Like that guy, he was in the parking lot for an hour. He couldn't find a parking spot. His AC was off and he's sweating and he's like, God, if you just get me a parking spot, I will quit drinking. I will be in church on Sunday. And immediately the clouds part and the sun shines down on a newly empty parking spot. And the man said, Thanks, Lord. I found one. I'm good. (laughs) Isn't that how people are? (laughs) But you see, godliness remembers. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. What's that? A solemn promise. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So what's godliness? So let's look. There's probably lots of definitions that could float around, but it's a constant devotion to God, a constant worship of God. And that's really the theme of conference. We're going to get into it a little bit, Uh, but there's a light out there. Maybe you can check it out. It's in the parking lot and it's flickering on and off. And it's annoying to have a flickering light, isn't it? Maybe you've got one in your bathroom or something and you walk in it's like a horror movie or like MTV or something like, ah, gives you a migraine. Well, God wants us to let our light shine, not flicker. (laughs) The light of God's children in godliness is a constant light, not one that goes on and off. Like this redneck said, hey, Bubba, said what? He said, go behind my car, see if my turn signal's on. So Bubba goes behind the car and he goes, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep, nope. Well, you know what? As Christians, we don't want to be that. (laughs) Hey, hey, you laugh, but we've all known some turn signal Christians. They're on, they're off. They're on, they're off. They're in church, they're out church. They're in church, they're in the club. They're with their boyfriend, they're running away from the preacher. I remember there was a guy at a Jiffy store and he was buying his beer and I came in there uh, not to buy a beer. It was right next to the church. It's called the Safeco store. It's up on the west side. And so I walked in there and he goes, hey, and I'm like, hey, and he turns around and he sets his beer down and then turns around and shakes my hand like I didn't see that. And I was like, wow. I mean, look, you're, you're 21. That's not illegal to buy it. But he sensed there was something right about not having that thing. And I didn't say anything to him. But there's a real God. And so the Bible said, add godliness. You know that when we begin to focus on God, and really it's an interior thing. So godliness is a constant worship or devotion to God. You've heard the Lord's Prayer. Now notice the pronouns. So what's, what's the middle letter of sin? I. And what's, what do most little kids? I want it. I want it. I want it. Right? Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse 9, Jesus said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. This is, this is kind of a model prayer. You don't have to recite it, but it's a model. We can learn a lot of things. There's a structure. There's a skeleton that you can learn from. And 
we're just going to kind of go over some things real quick. But it said, our Father which art in heaven. Now notice this pronoun. Hallowed be thy name. Venerated, worshipped is your name. Thy kingdom come. Notice, where's the focus on God? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then they start asking, hey, give us this day our daily bread. God takes care of us. But look at the end. It said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we notice that devotion, even in prayer, it focuses on God. And you know what? That's really what God wants us to do in our life. If we focus on God, it'll change our life and it'll change what people see. Now, I don't know about you. I love reading biographies. Biographies are stories or accounts of people's lives. And I have one of General Grant and it's like a thousand pages long or give or take. And it's awesome. I recommend it. Said preacher, how, how long will it take to read that? Took me a long time to read a thousand page book. But I recommend reading them because people live their whole life, right? How long does that take? Their whole life. But their successes and failures are summed up where you can read it in a few weeks, unless it's a thousand pages. You can read it in a few weeks and you can learn from their mistakes. So you don't have to spend your whole life going through things to make them happen. You can learn from them in a short amount of time. I recommend biographies. So I want to recommend one to you and I'm going to read the whole biography. Okay. Oh, preacher, how long is this? Is this Grant's biography? No, it's a man named Enoch. And it's in Genesis chapter five and it's three verses, not three chapters. And it sums up 365 years of his life in three verses, right? Say, preacher, don't you have more to say after 365 years? Hey, when you have a gravestone, how long, how many is, if it's per letter, it just might be like, amen, or something like that, right? If they charge you per letter. It's going to be one sentence on your gravestone, right? But here's three. And Enoch's not dead. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. Something changed when he had a child. So his Methuselah was his son's name. He had a child and... For 300 years, it says, and begat sons and daughters. He had more kids. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Now, I want to read you a commentary on this biography. It's in the book of Hebrews. It's like one verse. By faith, Enoch, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, was translated. He was taken from one place and into another, that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, now this is what we wanted to focus on, on his biography, on your biography and mine, that he had this testimony that he pleased God. You know, that's really what godliness is about. It's not about, uh, you know, there are outward things to godliness, but really it's a worship constantly of the Lord. And even in conference, they talked about taking the worship service out with you, taking it into fellowship. How can you worship when you're fellowshipping? Do you have to like lift your hands up, you know, like drink your soda and lift your other and then switch? No, you don't have to do that. But... uh, 
It's a spirit or an attitude of pleasing God. The Bible says, the next verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, how do you please God? By faith. Notice all these things we're adding to our trust in God. It's not all about us. It's about our trust in Jesus because God said it, I can do it. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, uh, before we resist the devil, we have to submit ourselves, therefore, unto God. You know, people say, resist the devil. No, the first part is, Submit yourself unto God. Then resist the devil. Then the devil will flee from you. But godliness is a submission. So preacher, I don't like that word submission. It's disgusting. But the Bible said God resists the proud, doesn't he? In the book of James. But he gives what? Grace unto the humble. Submission is also, we don't really deal with, I, I saw this, I, my wife found it. It's a picture of two women wearing the same dress. And it's just like a silhouette. It's like a shadow picture. And it said, I'm modest if I'm covered up. And it said, myth number one. <laughs> and it's got one lady, she's kind of standing like this. And the other lady, she's, you know, shaking everything out. So you can, you know, you can see her uh, pieces, right? Well, I mean, it's just a shadow, okay? It's not a dirty picture, but it's a nice long dress. She's got long hair, but it said shape is attractive. Check your profile. And then it said, wear the Christian silhouette. Godliness is in our hearts. And it's not just women. It's men too. I tell my daughter, I said, I want to wear trousers that don't accent a certain part of my body. Say, well, I even like to wear bigger trousers than I usually have, just so that there's a little bit of room right there. Plus, then you don't split them when you... <laughs> Ask me how I know. And yes, it has happened in church. <laughs> That's why they have tape back there, okay? It does, okay? Even if they fit, sometimes you... It's in... That's on the radio, okay? So we got that recorded, but... But you didn't know that because I covered it up, right? So... Thou shalt not wear skinny jeans. There was, a, there was a comedian named Michael Jr. He said, if you're 40 and you have to point your toes to put your jeans on, he said, you're making bad choices. <laughs> hey, praise God. <laughs> Worship, godliness is constant devotion, constant worship, constant adoration to God. If you notice that up in heaven there are these creatures, they have six wings. Well, they're flying with two of them. They're actually above. It's the highest seat in the house. No, the most high God is. Nope. Because above it, above the throne, in God's throne in heaven, there are these seraphims, these six-winged creatures. They must be awesome to look at. So with two wings, they fly. With the other, they have two more wings. They cover their feet because their feet are like above God's face. So they cover their feet in modesty. And then although they're right by God, you know what they do with the last two wings? They cover their face because they're in the presence of an amazing, holy God. What? They are in a humili humiliation and worship. The Bible says that worship is 
submission. The four and twenty elders fell down on their face in heaven, and they—I know it's a name of a, a group, right? But it said they cast their crowns. That happened before the the music group, right? Why? Because they were they were submitting themselves in worship. They were godly and up in heaven. Moses, the Bible says that when he spoke to God face by face and God came down, it caused a great fear. The Bible says in Joshua, when he saw that man outside of Jericho, he said, are you for us or our adversaries? He said, I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. And Joshua, the Bible said, fell on his face. So all of these uh, illustrations show this submission to God in worship. Paul fell on his face. In Psalms, it said to worship and bow down. Ezekiel fell on his face. And you know what? Really, that's an attitude of godliness is submission. The Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. And to be a gentleman or be a lady because God said so. I remember hearing that as a joke or whatever. So this gentleman opened the door for this lady at Starbucks, you know, and she goes, I hope you're not opening the door for me because I'm a woman. And he looked back at her and he said, I'm not. He said, I'm opening the door for you because I am a gentleman. You know that that's what godly people do. They serve God and show a submission. And you know, as, as Christians, uh, the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. You know, that it's, it's interesting. Uh, people like to compete. You know, my car is better than yours. My house is better than yours. My clothes are better than yours. My shoes, my watch. My kids do better in school than yours. Uh, you know, my kid's got a better costume than your kid on Halloween. I remember when I was uh, about five and I was a stormtrooper. And I remember, because boys compete, right? Women don't just compete, men compete. And my friend had the store-bought costume, which is like a piece of plastic, right? That shows the stormtrooper uniform and the mask. And I had the mask, but then I had like barn boots and I think I had like a diaper on, you know, because it was white, right? Stormtroopers, and I think I had long johns. I mean, we had the Econo costume, right? We had the mask, and everything else was improvised, right? So I remember I lost that competition. I still remember it, and I was five. But the Bible said we're not supposed to compete with one another. We're supposed to be subject to one another. Hey, brother, you go first. Hey, sister, you go first. Uh, I was going to say something mean, but, you know. But anyway, so let's keep going. The bowing and the sacrifice to God is a spirit. And you know, you carry it into church. When we come to church, we raise our hands. We, 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 uh, we bow our heads and pray. You know, sometimes people don't want to do that. It's not because of the preacher, but they really just don't want to bow before the Lord. Uh, so what's the resistance to godliness? I kind of carried a little bit more on that. It's a constant devotion or worship to God. And really, it's something we can add and people are watching. Well, why? how come it's so hard? How come we have to give all diligence? Well, there is a resistance to God's character in this world. I love Starbucks, so please, I'm not trying to be dismissive of Starbucks. I think 
the founder of uh, the the gentleman who who brought Starbucks into what it is. He's an amazing businessman. But Starbucks, when it comes to the holidays, man, they'll have they'll have Pride cups. They'll have Halloween cups. When it comes to Christmas, do you see a scripture on the cup? No. How about Easter? He is risen. No. Well, they don't want to bring religion into it. But that's the meaning of the holiday. What about Thanksgiving? Let's thank God for his blessings. Oh, no, it's not going to be on there. Just thanks. You know, thanks to who? It's like an atheist spiritual helpline. You call and nobody answers, right? I mean, we're thanking who? God, right? You can call 1-800-won't-answer, right? Because there is a fight against God in this world. Do you ever wonder, if you look at the list of things that people are fighting to eradicate from our country, <laughs> the traditional family, roles of family members, uh, heterosexuality, gender. <laughs> God made gender. It didn't say that America made gender. It's not in a traditional role. That's God that did that. It said he made them male, and female and and no just two right and it's it's anyway so i got i got some stories about that monogamy what's that one partner all of these things came from god and when you hold these things you're going to find resistance people are going to find fault they're going to call you haters they're going to call you old-fashioned well I don't know if it's old-fashioned, but it's God-fashioned. Guess what? And another thing, it works. God's way works. So there's a resistance to it. And when we face and have godly attitudes, you need to expect a fight. There's going to be a fight out there. What did, what did Paul say at the end of his life? He's, he told Timothy in 1 Timothy, he said, he said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, Timothy, you live godly, you're going to have some resistance. Doesn't the Bible say all they that live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. There's going to be people that don't like it. But then in 2 Timothy, Paul was nearing the time he was going to be sacrificed. You know what he said? He said, I fought a good fight. He said the fight, he said, I'm fighting all the way to, you know, it's never going to get easy. So I'll preach. I just want it to be easy. Everyone's going to sing and hold hands. Not necessarily down here, but up there they are. And there's going to be resistance to God and godliness and everything about. But I remember my, I, I, he's gone now, he's up in heaven, but my pastor Davis, uh, from years ago, he, uh, he said before he get, became a Christian, when he would walk by a church, he would cross the street and he would walk on the other side of the street. That's not the man that I knew because he got saved. But you see, before God comes in, we resist God instead of embrace God. And that's the same spirit that's out there. So what are you supposed to do? Jesus said, love your enemies. So the last thing, I've got about five minutes, the fruit of godliness. What? God said to add godliness to our life because you need it. It's just like someone ever tell you you need something? Like your doctor tell you you need to lose weight, but there's no nice way to say it. It's like, well, actually, sir... Your weight looks good. And it's like a, you know, a big fella up there sitting. He's, Your weight looks good. You're just eight inches too short. Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, you have need of patience. You need it. Isn't it amazing? God, God, that's the thing before godliness. Add patience. What? You need it. You ever go through something? Must have been ordered. So I found out there is this thing called, in my car, it's called a low oil sensor. Okay? And when the, low, the oil gets too low, instead of having to check it on the dipstick, it tells you on your dashboard. Add oil. So I'm like, ha, a low oil sensor. Seems pretty neat, right? Well, it's ironic. You need patience. Because I have an oil leak in my car. Do you know where the oil leak is coming from? My low oil sensor. It's ironic. It's not only telling me that my, low, my oil is low, but that's where the oil is leaking from. Amen. So just go get it fixed. Well, I got a quote at the dealership and then we left with our car after they quoted me like almost $600, right? So uh, you must need patience. But you know what? Also, you must need godliness. If God said you need it, you need this constant devotion uh, like needing exercise. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You know what exercise does? It, 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 it fulfills, you know, it keeps, do some push-ups and do some sit-ups. It'll help you out down here. It'll keep your, you know, your blood pressure down and maybe keep some, some of the... Look, I, I just got a blood pressure monitor, so it was creeping. My diastolic was creeping up on me. And, uh, but you're going to face a time because you see the inward man is renewed day by day, but that outward man is going to perish. And no matter how good you look, there's going to come a time when this body just decides to fall apart. And that's why the apostle said that Godliness is profitable unto all things. Exercise is good for a little while, but you know what? There's a guy named Enoch, and he's up in heaven right now. Hadn't died yet. Oh, he's not as old as Methuselah. Methuselah was only like 969. I might have that wrong, okay? But guess what? Enoch is thousands of years old, and he doesn't have to go get a yearly annual physical, okay? He's up in heaven. He doesn't have to do push-ups. He's just eating steak. And doing whatever else. Why? Godliness is more profitable now and in the long run. Because push-ups will do you good for a little while, right? But godliness is the exercise that will last for eternity with God. Amen. Push-ups don't hurt either. Exercise yourself to godliness. I'm about out of time. Let me see. What did Adam say on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas. Eve, <laughs> you got it. So when we have godliness, we'll begin to influence people. And I believe sometimes we don't realize how we influence people. Jesus, when he said, you're the light of the world, uh, he also said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the spice, you're the savor. I've gotten french fries now. Some don't like french fries with salt. I do. And if you eat a french fry without salt, to me it tastes like nothing. Okay? But when you put salt on it, it's just 
glorious to behold, right? But God said, you're the spice of the earth. And then he said, you're the light of the world. And then he said, that candle, when you put it on a candlestick, it gives light to all that are in the house. Everybody that's around you sees the light. And then Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That they may see your good works, your life before God. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. And they will have an accompanying result towards God. And sometimes you don't, you know, you don't do things for people. You do things under the Lord. But when you live a godly life, don't be ashamed to pray. Don't be ashamed. You, you never know who's watching. So, oh, they might see me pray. Well, praise God. Maybe they need to see someone pray. Remember going to a restaurant and seeing all four family members praying. Or it was like five. Before they ate, and I was like, wow, they're praying. And then I looked, and they're all on their phones. <laughs> but when you pray, leave you with this. We were on a ship, and there were really, really no privacy. And so I just kind of held this guy's hand like a bro handshake. And we were going to pray, and we were going to go our separate ways on the ship. And so people were walking by us. There's really not that many private uh, spaces. I think we slept in bunks four high. If you've ever done that, a quad bunk bed. And uh, people putting their feet in your face when they're climbing up to their bunk. But that's just what you got. So we were praying and saying goodnight to each other. And then there was a guy that came and found me later. He said, was that you praying in the, in the breezeway, in the passageway, the hallway? And I said, yeah. And so he wanted to go talk. And we went and found another kind of semi-public place. And he wanted to give his life back to God. And we ended up doing that because he just saw someone praying and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Godliness is a constant worship, devotion to God. It's really an outward works that come from an inward heart to God. Let's dismiss though in prayer.